hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bruce Monk, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Wonderful to be with you, and um, I uh, enjoy coming to Dunedin. It's always a great church, great to connect with Will and Desiree, and uh, it's great to see what God's doing in this house, and we just uh, wonderful to see new people gathering, people being built. I'm not sure whether you followed in the last week the funeral of Billy Graham, but that has to be inspiring for the Church of Jesus Christ to see a man, 99 years of age, preached his last sermon in his mid-90s. And uh, one of the wonderful things about Billy Graham is his message was consistently the same right through his life. Just talked about the need as sinners of uh, the saving grace of Jesus and uh, just the knowledge of God's forgiveness, God's judgment. His whole theme was about heaven, and now he's in heaven enjoying the presence of Jesus. So that's got to be pretty amazing. And I just watched his funeral yesterday, and, you know, just great to see the impact of one life and what God does through one life and to change, in a way, the culture of his generation. And so I'm sure there'll be many people here who can remember him coming to New Zealand and... uh, we, we say live stream, well, actually a live stream Billy Graham, I think, through radio, right through the country. And they had, uh, so, uh, so it was pretty amazing just to see the influence of that man. Uh, and so we just want to way honour God for the life of one person to change many people's lives. And so it's um, good. Uh, as, as I was sort of praying about coming down to Dunedin, uh, I, I really wanted to get a word in my heart. Uh, Last Sunday, I don't very often get a chance to sit in the church in Auckland, but I did. And uh, Steve Graham in the morning preached a message on home. Some of you might have heard it who went to Auckland, really ministered to me. I really welcomed Steve's vulnerability, how he opened up his own life. But as I went through the week and started to pray, I just got this whole thought uh, that I felt was really appropriate for the church here. And uh, just the whole sort of welcome home. And I believe that God wants to create, uh, in a way, an an atmosphere here. I'm not saying you don't, but I believe God wants to enlarge it about the whole sort of welcome home. Um, I travel a lot. Some people think I must love it because I'm away. I think last year I was overseas over 20 weeks of the year, and uh, that's a lot. But actually, I'm not a natural traveler. I've got to find grace to travel every time I think that I'm going to the airport I always think, oh no, because I'm actually a home lover and I've got to find the grace of God to travel. When I start traveling, I I welcome and I love what I do, but I don't like the travel aspect of it, but I've got to find the grace of God to do it. A lot of people say, wow, that must be so exciting, but just to let you know. (laughs) Um, And so I always always love coming home. I, I discipline myself not to think of home until about two days before. So I was away Uh, This time for just close on to a month, which my wife said is too long. And so I've got to trim it back. And she said, you won't do that again. (laughs) Anyhow, that's just to let you know. Uh, And so, but I I, I love coming home and I I love coming through the gate. You know, you come through your passport and immigration and uh, everything. And then you you see her face and Helen's face is always a welcoming face and a big embrace. And, you know, it's just, you, you, you love that welcome home. It's like, I'm home, I'm home. And uh, so this time we, we, I had an added little blessing of coming home is we've just got a puppy. And, um, and so her name, they're going to put a photo of uh, our little puppy up on the screen here. Her name's Molly. And uh, here's Molly. Um, it's a real man dog. <laughs> when, when we first had Molly groomed, I, I decided I took her to the groomer and they put a little pink bow in it. Um, and so I brought Molly home and I decided to Facebook her just to show you my manliness. <laughs> and, uh, but this is Molly, she's a cute number. And Helen says, Molly's forgotten you. And, um, and so I hopped in the car and Molly just jumped up and put a little uh, head into my shoulder and gave me the biggest cuddle. And uh, in a way, so I've got another welcome home now. <laughs> I've, I've got the welcome home of Molly, which is, you know, was really nice and very rewarding. And then if you look, in, and this is really what sort of in a way started to stir my spirit. 
Uh, and it's not a Christian song, but Dave Dobbins sung the song, Welcome Home. And it was a very moving song. And, uh, but just the, the chorus part says, um, so it says, so welcome home. I bid you welcome. I bid you welcome. Welcome home from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, welcome home. See, I have made a space for you. Welcome home from the bottom of our hearts, from the bottom of our hearts. And I, I just thought, you know, when I read that, and because it was stirring in my spirit, we've made a space for you. Yeah. Welcome home. Yeah. And prophetically, you know, I'm ministering into the church tonight. I'll pray for different individuals. But tonight I really prophetically want to minister into the heart of equippers in Dunedin because it's so easy, you know, to, to get, in a way, self-consumed in church. And we don't really create an atmosphere where we're building to welcome people home because we live in an environment where, you know, we, we have to deal with our own brokenness of humanity. And every one of us in this room has to deal with that. And only through the grace of God you're able to overcome. But broken humanity is all around us. If I was to look in the world and you look politically, you can look at what's happening around the world, especially as you travel. And I think we're into a tailspin of decay. You know, family units are breaking down. There's just massive, massive disillusionment. If you look in, in the world, especially with young people, and, and we, we love technology, but yet technology can be such a curse. The, the, the infiltration of pornography into, into the world, even into the church, is frightening. That young people can't even, they don't know how to relate properly with the opposite sex in relationship because they've been stimulated in a world that's just so false and it's so evil. And so, so in a way, we're in a world that's in decay. It's in, and, and can I say to you, it's, going, it's dropping fast. Don't be disillusioned. Sometimes we think governments are going to fix it, but governments can't fix it because it's to do with the human heart. Yeah. It's to do with the human heart. It's to deal with our vulnerability, our own humanity. And that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful because only the gospel of Jesus can deal with your human heart, the heart, the, the brokenness of your humanity. We don't like to use the word, but the sin, where we've missed the mark of God's best for our life. And, uh, and often we, we, we're afflicted, we're afflicted physically, we're afflicted in so many areas. Some people right now are just in captivity. Even in the world, uh, they use the term, well, I'm fighting against my own demons. They use it. But it is demonic. There are demonic forces that are holding people captive. There are things that, where people have got no sense of purpose and destiny. And really it's up to the church to create an environment, not of judgment, but where we welcome home, we create a space. We create, create a space for, 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 for people to come and not to come under judgment because God is the judge. But to come in an environment where God loves, where we understand the nature of God's heart, God, God, God's presence. And so today I, I just uh, I, I sort of brought some notes together. Uh, as I travel down on the plane. But I want to come back to a scripture which I believe gives us the best understanding of the heart of God. And I want to use a well-known scripture. It's found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. It's a story of what we commonly call the prodigal son, but I actually personally love to call it the father heart of God. It helps us to understand what God's heart's like. Amen? And a church is here. We're here not to represent equippers. Equippers is our mission. But we're here to represent God. We're here to bring Jesus Christ to Dunedin, to Otago, to Southland. We're here to bring the heart of God. That's what this church exists for. It exists to, to bring healing. It exists to, to, to mend where people are afflicted, where people are under bondage. It's here to bring freedom. It's here to bring destiny into hearts. And, and every single person in this room, God, God has got a destiny that far outweighs your current uh, position. Uh, I look, and many of you know my story, I come from a little place called Tihoro, which if you want to connect us, this north of Wellington. And so I come from a, a, a small, very uh, rural location, but a couple of weeks ago I was in Ghana, and I was just telling Gretchen here on the front row, you know, I look, and here's a country boy, but I was running a forum, I was chairing a forum in that room, there was 25 people, 
And I estimate it went round, and they are responsible, pastry or leadership-wise, for 12 million people. Wow. Now, if you had to ask me 40 years ago, would I be chairing a forum which is responsible for 40 million, uh, 12 million, 40 sounds really good, uh, but 12 million people? Uh, you know, I'd have to say, oh, don't be stupid. But God's plan, God's destiny for our life God's got a plan of liberty. God's got a plan of freedom. He's got a plan for you that far outweighs what you can even see in your own ability. And I pray today our hearts will respond to that. So I want to read Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And, uh, and I pray today that God will just something build something in our, in our hearts as individuals, but not only as hearts of individuals, but as corporately a church. You know, the people, we don't need a sign out there with welcome home. People will walk in and they will know they're welcomed home. Helen never has a sign, welcome home, Bruce. (laughs) But I know I'm welcomed home by the smile on her face. I'm welcomed home by the dog because the dog affectionately demonstrated to me that she loved me. Amen, amen. And so, so that's what we need. We just need a welcoming. Are you a welcoming home person? I want to put something in your spirit today that will break you out of where you are and say, wow, I'm going to live for every single person that God's going to bring across my path. Amen. Who's in for it? Come on, who's in for it? Sometimes we, you know, we get so, sometimes we get so consumed with our own need. But if you actually open your life to minister to the need of another, it's surprising how quickly your own need is met. Amen. And I, I believe that's so true. So here's the story, verse 11. We're going to put it up on the board. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Not many days after, the youngest son gathered all, uh, gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. There wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swines ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. I'm not going to read about the uh, older son. That's a different message in itself. But I just want to concentrate on just this atmosphere, the atmosphere of the heart of God the Father. And I believe this is, this is where we can learn so much. And when I read this story, I've always been taken with the generosity of the Father, the generosity of the heart of God, that even though he knew his son would would in a way destroy everything he gave him, yet his heart was generous towards him. And I believe that that if we are to to build a home that that is welcoming, we also need to know how to, to, uh, our attitude, our response to those who are not in here. Our attitude and response to those who have been in here and are no longer in here. Uh, Because if we don't have the right attitude, we won't create a home that is actually welcoming. And one of the things I've learned, especially in leadership, uh, in my own home, as a a father, 
a grandfather, and then as a church leader, there's a big difference between judgment and being judgmental. There's a big difference between judgment and being judgmental. As a father, there's times where I've got to make a judgment. Amen? You've got to do that as a parent. As a leader, sometimes you've got to make a judgment in leadership. But the, the danger and what the Bible speaks so strongly against is when we actually become judgmental. Judgmental is when we actually hold people under our finger and we hold them in judgment. It becomes judgmental. We've got to make judgment, but there's a big difference between being, uh, making a judgment and being judgmental. And I believe at times the church is maintaining being judgmental. We actually hold people. Whereas the nature of God is actually to release people. He releases people. He never holds them in judgment, even though they're under judgment because of the nature of what we do. But they are not, they won't, he doesn't hold them and be judgmental towards them. And that's what the, the father does. He, he says to the son, here we are, take it. And I think intuitively he knew what would happen. But as his his values was not on possessions. His value was more on what he needed to see happen in his son so that ultimately his son would return home and discover the goodness of God. So he released him. He even gave him possessions, but he did not hold him to be judgmental. If he was judgmental, the son, I don't think, would have ever returned home because he would have been suspect of the heart of the father. It was almost like a curse would have come on his life. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ, to grow up and to mature, we need to understand that Dunedin does not need the curse of a church being judgmental. Can I say it again? Dunedin does not need the curse of a church being judgmental. Many years ago when we were, uh, when I was living in Auckland and pastoring the church, we have the Mercury Theatre, and the Mercury Theatre is right in the middle of the red light area, and uh, they, um, they started what was known as then the Hero Parade, which was the, the gay parade, uh, just up, it began right at the, uh, the uh, intersection of K Road and Mercury Lane, and, um, and the people, people, um, in the Christian community said, we want to come to the Mercury Theatre and we want a state of protest. And I said, you're not doing that in our church. I said, those people are already under the judgment of God. They don't need your judgment anymore. They need our love. They don't need our judgment. Amen. They don't, need, they don't need our judgment. They're already under judgment. And that's just one facet of the community. But the Christian church is always known for being judgmental. But really, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's not being judgmental. And I believe we need to open up our heart to those who, who, who have broken away and we show the generosity of our heart and not bringing them under the strong judgmental attitude that keeps them polarised and out of the church. And the church must grow up. It must come to a place where we understand and know how to process. So generosity is very powerful. The generosity of heart. Say, I'm going to become more generous. Come on, I'm going to become more generous. Generous in my attitude. Because what law and judgment does is it keeps people condemned. It will never bring them to a place where they find the conviction of the Holy Spirit that changes their heart. And so there's a, a, I want to build on from it. So don't, don't judge me because if you don't agree with me there. <laughs> Amen? Because I could see you could do so. But don't. The second part that we can pick up, it's not referred to in Scripture, but you know it happened, is that God in nature was prayerful. He was always willing the son home. He was always willing the son home. There was an attitude, and I believe any church that will break through in a community has to know the power of prayer. We will not change society unless we get to the understanding where we come before God and we begin to in earnest pray. Our great sermons don't change brokenness. Prayer changes. 
Prayer will change our nation. And right now I praise God that equippers right through the country every Monday is beginning to pray. But what we need is not just a prayer meeting once a a month. We need a, a, a whole generation of people who will rise up and begin to value the power of prayer to change our city, to change our environment. And it's, it's, it's not gonna happen. There's not gonna be any change until this whole culture, this whole culture seeps into the heart of the church and we begin to realise that we've got a name, the name, sorry for getting, sort of, I feel as I'm getting carried away up here, but um, I probably am. But come on, we need a whole generation to rise up and value the power of prayer. Young people, don't take it for granted. God will empower you as you come to the throne of grace. I was in, um, in Coldinger, in Denmark about three weeks ago and I was preaching in the church and there was an older couple, their age I think was 78, 80, somewhere around about that. And you can just tell by the response they're on the edge of the seat and I brought a prophetic word and this lovely couple come up to me afterwards and they just hugged me and because I'm getting older, you know, it's, uh, you, you always like to see young, uh, older people who are still engaged and inspired in God. And, you know, I mentioned Billy Graham, 95, still preaching. And uh, sometimes, you know, when you get older, it's almost like you, you feel you're in retirement age. No, no, come on, let's break that because we're not in retirement. You should be in the best season of your life. Uh, and you should be in the best season of your life to proclaim the goodness of God and to pray. This couple, you know, afterwards they went and I I enjoyed their company and the pastor came up and he said, you know, this couple still go on mission to Romania. But not only that, every, every week they come to church and they're about to put up a new building. Do you know this couple walk around the site for one hour every week? Snow, cold, every week you'll find this couple there praying, speaking the provision of God, speaking the blessing of God, creating an atmosphere where where a building will be established to welcome people home. They they are so diligent, they're committed, they're praying every week there. And I believe right now we just need this generation. Over the years, I've prayed prayers like, God, when I see someone leave and I I don't want to hold them in my judgment, I release them from my judgment. But I say, God, give me a prayer that I might pray for that person, that God will bring them home. Amen. And, you know, you often hear the testimony of people who have, have gone really right down to the depths like this young guy did in the story. And when they start to give their testimony, they always say, oh, I had a grandma who prayed for me. I had a mum who prayed for me. I had someone who prayed for me. You know, just about every story without fail, you'll find there's a grandma who prayed. There's a mother who prayed. There's a father who prayed. Come on, we need a generation who don't judge, who pray. We need people to pick up the responsibility and begin to carry people in the power of prayer. I prayed a prayer from Hosea for for a young man once and it just said, God put a fish hook in his mouth and drew him home. And I pray that God put a fish hook in that guy's mouth and bring him home. And I could, every time I prayed it, imagine God just winding the fish in. He's bringing him home. He's bringing him home. And one day he came home. Amen. He came home. And we need to see that in the church. God beginning to bring people home miraculously because the the foundation of prayer is established in the church. Never underestimate the power of prayer because it can create the environment for people to actually uh, change their heart and come home. The third thing we see with God, He lives with anticipation. And it just says, when the young man came to his senses. He arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And anticipation is a powerful part of creating an environment to welcome people home. Uh, As a church, come on, anticipate. Say anticipate. Anticipate. Anticipate that there'll be someone sitting next to you next week that you can welcome home. Anticipate. Just start to anticipate in faith. You're building the environment. 
that God, people in your university right now, God's gonna bring you in contact with people, anticipate them coming to you, but it's your attitude towards them that will determine what God will do in them. And so anticipation is very powerful. And I believe we need to create that environment of anticipation where people are finding their way home and coming and just being wrapped by God and beginning to find His love and forgiveness. That anticipation is an environment where people are waiting. I, I like to think of, of, um, uh, of just what that might look like. And I, I just yesterday I was watching this funeral of Billy Graham and I think his daughter Ruth, uh, I won't go into a full story, but she married, divorced. Then she got into a relationship that her father, Billy, totally warned her against would be destructive. She married this guy out of impulse. She tells the story at his funeral. And, um, and then he, um, the marriage only lasted 11 weeks. And she felt so condemned. She felt she'd let everyone down because everyone had warned her, said that she was stupid, she was dumb, this would never work. And she didn't know how she would face her father and the people who loved her. And uh, so she drove up to his home. He had a log cabin. And uh, this is a few years ago. And, and she got out of the car and her father walked down the drive and he put out his arms and he just said, welcome home. Welcome home. Didn't hold her in judgment. Didn't condemn her. But I think he was living in anticipation. He already knew the moment that she returned his arms would be opened. It wasn't an impulse moment. It was a a, a moment that came out of the heart that had been waiting for his daughter to, in a way, come to her senses, come home. And you know, in the world, the older you get, you realise we don't always get it completely right. Is that true? (laughs) Come on, put your hand up if you know that to be true. Has anyone here ever done anything dumb? (laughs) Some of you older people need to do some silly things from time to time. Older people, put your hand up. Come on, we can have thoughts, you know. But yeah, it's so easy to condemn. I was talking to this guy and he, he was all in for capital punishment, hanging, shooting, electric chairs. He said if, you, if, you, um, if you're caught thieving, they should cut off their hand. And then he said, we should need to get the whip back and uh, we need to flog people who do crime. And he was really going for it. And I sat there and I said, oh, that sounds very barbaric. He said, yeah, yeah, but that's what needs to happen. <laughs> and then I couldn't help myself, but I said, have you ever done anything wrong? <laughs> Perhaps you defrauded the government with your tax at some point. <laughs> you haven't been found out. <laughs> Really, you shouldn't have a hand right now. It's just that you weren't found out. (laughs) Boy, we can have sort of these great judgments (laughs) on what we would do or what would correct society. Wherever there's been a barbaric society, it's never changed humanity. (laughs) The only thing that can change the human heart is Jesus. Religion doesn't even change it, but Jesus will. And we, we actually need to create an environment of anticipation where people can come home. Come on, they can come home. They can find the love, the forgiveness of God, the restoration of God. It's God as a healer. And that anticipation, I believe, is very powerful. And I pray that as equippers Dunedin, come on, let, let's be anticipating. Come on, let's be anticipating. And the, the people who will probably come home will be messed up. <laughs> I think I might have told the story, but when we had a whole lot of young people come into our church in Auckland, um, and it was uh, just multitudes, these, these kids were just totally messed up. And it was delightful to see them in church. But I can literally remember, literally remember taking up an offering, and we put the offering up here. And these little saved but unsanctified kids jumping over the seats to get up to the offering. (laughs) And they weren't going to count it. (laughs) And we actually came to a point in our church where you could not put your phone or your bag on a seat to reserve it. And you say, that's church? Yeah, it was. 
And I welcomed it. Because these were, these were people we needed to welcome home. Do you know some of those people are leaders in our church today? <laughs> I've been around long enough to know. Some of them are leaders. Some of the, God changed them. But when they first come in, they gave their hearts to Jesus. Giving your heart to Jesus is the beginning of the journey. Amen. It's not the end. <laughs> it's the beginning. God doesn't change you overnight, but He does change you. And we need to be living with anticipation. Wow, that could happen in Dunedin. How many would like it to happen? <laughs> Come on, how many would like it to happen? Oh, some of us said, oh no, it's not my safe church anymore. No, no, it's not going to be a safe church. It's going to be a redemptive church. A church where people can be feel, felt as though they're welcomed home. We, don't, we won't put up with nonsense because we'll bring the right judgment where there needs to be and discipline where there needs to be. So we're not gonna, it's not going to be out of control. But really what it means is that people are coming to Christ and we need to give them room to be saved. We need to give them room to, to let the Word of God work in their heart because it won't change overnight. Amen. I remember one lady, right, and I brought her to church. She sat right where Desiree's sitting here and I sat around about here and she was lined up. She was our neighbour. And, uh, and so she was sitting and I could tell she enjoyed the service and... and um, and at the end of it, you know, it was very quiet, and our, our the third Mercury theatre has got a bit of a tear to it, and um, and she was sitting in, and I don't know why it just went quiet right at this moment. She says, and I'm please forgive me, right? Can you forgive me? Because <laughs> I'm going to swear, right? I'm only going to repeat what she said. Okay, she said that was a bloody good service. How did you make those buggers sing like that? <laughs> And I'd brought it to church. <laughs> and I'm the pastor. And, and, and I often think I laugh to this day that, you know, God created an environment of quietness right when this lady stood up. And she was, she was my guest. <laughs> and I thought God just had an amazing sense of humor. Because in a way, you know, people are going to come. Amen? Are we ready? Come on, we need to create that environment where people are welcomed home, that anticipation. And then the, the next area, which I believe is so important prophetically, is a place where people are restored. Restoration is, 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 doesn't happen overnight. Restoration is a, it is, a, is a process. In this story, I think that the father gave symbols of what he believed was going to happen in his son's heart. Uh, certain things happened in heaven straight away, but I've learned that restoration does not happen overnight. And it just says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And they're all symbols. But what he was really trying to declare is that God, even right from the beginning, the moment we give our heart back to Christ or people come home is God wants to put sandals on their feet. He doesn't give them second best. He puts the best robe, the robe of righteousness on them. And he puts a ring on their finger to say and declare that this is my son, this is my daughter, they've been reconciled. And I always love the thought that the moment I got saved, amen, God called me his son. I was not a second best son. I wasn't a second rate son. I wasn't a mistake. I was his son. I was his son. And that's what God is declaring in this message because what he's saying is the son was not perfect. But what God wants us to understand is that he is God's son. Amen. And the moment we are able to create an environment like that, and some Christians, you know, it's almost like the older you get, you can actually almost treat people who are coming to Christ in a way that is not helpful. They are God's children. There might be levels of maturity, but don't, 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 don't come over them. The best way to bring up children is to come under them, is to serve them, not to come over them, but to come under them. 
And I believe when we create an environment of restoration, we're coming under people to serve them so that we can bring out the best that's in their life, that's in their heart. Amen. And I, I pray that we become a place of restoration. I, I've looked in, at churches all around the world and, and people often ask, they say, you know, what, what, what's the best process? What's the best course to restore? What's the best course to disciple people? And do you know I've never come up with an answer? Because I actually think the best way to restore people is to be good mums and dads. Do you know I never had a course to father children? Yeah, <laughs> Amen. Is anyone here? And, and how, many, how many have got kids? Put your hand up. How many have got more than two? How many know that every child's different? True? Every child's different. So what, what, what is a course for one is not a course for another. And if you don't know how to be a good parent, you'll never serve to bring the best out of every child. But what we want in church is we'd rather have a course that takes away our responsibility to be good parents or to be good disciples. Then, then so, so it's almost we divorce ourselves from what God's called us to. And I pray that Equipus Church and here in Dunedin. Come on, let, let's be good parents. Some, some, That's why I'm talking to the older. You know, I can talk to older people. Do you know why? Because I'm 70 this year. So I can talk to you. Come on, this is your prime days. You probably don't need money, but you can be a mum. You can be a dad. You can nurture you can care, you can come under people, you can pray, you can give, you can resource, you can do things that a lot of other people can't do. You can actually, you can actually open your home. There's a couple in, in London, they open their home to interns every year and they just said, these people, these people, they, they give them a room, they have no reward for it. But they, they open their home every year for an intern to come and live with them. And they just said, these people bless our lives. But I know they bless the lives of the interns. Amen. Why? Because they just created an environment where they can restore, where they can heal, and they can minister to. Restoration is powerful. If I can have uh, whoever was on the keyboard, thank you. The final thing is celebration. We need churches that celebrate. Amen. I think, oh, I remember the last time I was here. You had your birthday, wasn't it? That's right. When was that? June last year. That's when I was here. I was trying to work out when I was here. You celebrated. And that was an amazing time. How many were here for that celebration? I think those celebrations are, are just so important in life. But I think you look through the, 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 the nation of Israel, and there were five significant celebrations every year. And somehow, you know, in our, our, our New Testament theology, we've lost the significance of something that was very important to the, nature, uh, to the nation of Israel. Their celebrations didn't just last one day, one weekend. They often took a week. A week out of their time where they basically stopped doing what they were doing. They left. They'd have to journey a long way. It's a wee bit like a quipper in, in Dunedin. You know, you leave, you've got to go somewhere else. Oh, I can't afford that. No, no, come on. You've got to invest. You've got to invest into environments of celebration, bigger than what you normally do. That's why there's things within our Quippers family around the world, like shout, equip her, different things that we do. And they're there just so that we realise that we're part of something quite significant. It's not, just a, it's not just a conference. It's actually an environment where we can celebrate what God's doing. And when you see what God's doing in our, in, in our area of responsibility, like I get excited when I hear what God's doing with Hillsong and Planet Shakers and what God's doing around the world. When you see a move of God that, that's taking place, and there is a significant move of God. But we're not Hillsong, we're not Planet Shakers, we're Quippers. And when you look in our family of what God is doing around the world, you've got to be inspired. I was in Manila, I think four weeks ago. 
Manila started, I think, around about five years ago. That Sunday, there were 800 people out in three services. Come on, we're going to enjoy that. At the moment, in in the nation of Germany, and this has been a a struggle in prayer, but there's a possibility that we could have five equippers churches in the next 12 months in Germany. Come on, in Germany. I was in... I was in Ghana uh, three weeks ago and Equipers Accra will be, is about to be launched where they're doing it, what they're doing. There's something happening. There's something happening around the world with our family of churches. Amen. It's not just Hillsong. It's our family of churches. It's what you're connected to. It's a family that God is using to impact our area, our environment with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're part of it. And when you realise you're part of something bigger, even the, the, the whole area of just celebrating, you know, on a Sunday, every time we invite people to give their hearts to Christ, people put up their hand. I love it that we clap. Come on, welcome home. Welcome home. When a person who's somehow been like the prodigal son left home and got wandered off and done something pretty dumb, but then comes home. Come on, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. I had a son, my older son, he, he sort of wandered away. And uh, he's, um, he's, a, he's a great great kid, but he just wandered off, you know, a bit cynical at times. And uh, I just said, come on, God, I'm never going to judge him. I just want to create an environment where he knows he's loved. And I remember how I prayed, I just said, I pray every time I thought of him. I, I just prayed a little prayer. I just said, God, just put a wall up and don't let him go down a path that you've not designed for his life. And that was my prayer every time I thought of him. God, just put a wall up. Don't, go, don't let him go down a path that you've not designed for his life. And I just watched God just put walls up. Walls up. And the turning point came was he was a plumber, a plumber gas fitter. And he did well. And then he decided he'd go to Bogota, Colombia on a mission. Even though he was struggling in his faith, but he went and, you know, the people he was serving with, they just said, this boy's homesick. And I know why he's homesick, because in Bogota, he saw lives floating down the river that had been taken for $10. He saw, he saw things happening that he wasn't prepared for. When he came home, he, he just uh, stood and we were chatting. And I remember, and I could tell that he was just at that place where his heart was soft. He was open. And I just said to him, do you know when you were in your mum's womb? There was a prophet came. And this prophet prophesied over you and said, you will be a blessed son. And today I prophesy you are a blessed son. That was a turning point. Just a turning point. And from that time, he said, you know, I don't think I really want to be a plumber gas fitter. I want to change the direction of my life. I mean, went to university, studied for six years and came out as an architect. And now he's won three international awards for architecture goes to Berlin and different places to receive and just won another one for design in Queenstown and you know but people say that for him you know we've never met an architect that can interpret our dream like you where's that come from (laughs) where's that come from where's that come from and you know within the heart of every person Everyone in this room, if God could have prophesied over you when you were in your mother's womb, He would say, you're going to be a blessed daughter. You're going to be a blessed son. Because God always speaks into our destiny. He doesn't speak into the failure of our life. Amen. He doesn't speak into the failure of our life. 
And that's why I'm, in a way, trying to create an environment where you catch the heart of God because the church of Jesus Christ is here to represent the heart of God. Amen? We're here to represent the heart of God. That's why we all welcome home, church. Welcome home. Welcome home. Come into an environment where you felt welcomed home. If you're part of the home, yeah, there's housekeeping to do. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Come on, there is. You know, when I get home, lawns to mow, hedges to cut, rubbish to take out. Bruce, it's your turn to do the vacuuming. But I'm a man of God. <laughs> I know. You're part of home. <laughs> Welcome home, Bruce. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and when you become part of a church, you're home. When you've been welcomed home, be our guest. But when you're home, realize that this is home. Amen. And we, we want to create the best atmosphere possible for people to feel as though they're welcomed home. How about standing with me? Just lift your hands, open your heart. Today, in the name of Jesus, I declare that Equipus Church Dunedin will rise to a new level. God, the moment that even people get out of the car, there's going to be an environment where they feel as though they're coming in to a place where they'll be welcomed home. Doesn't matter the colour of their skin, their age, doesn't matter their vocation, doesn't matter where they come from, we're going to create an amazing environment where people People come and sit beside us and we don't know them. In our heart, we're going to pray that God, somehow their hearts will be open to the Holy Spirit to hear the Word of God, that their lives will be transformed and that somehow they will meet with Jesus. We pray, I just pray, I speak that atmosphere into this church in the name of Jesus. God supernaturally, Students who want to come back into this building supernaturally. Supernaturally, God, people, families, mums and dads with children who want to come into this place supernaturally. It'll be an environment, Father, that people don't just gather around music, but they gather because it's home. It's home. People feel home. Right now, I prophesy, I speak it. In Jesus' name, just create this amazing environment in the name of Jesus. Every, every person who's been here a long time, Father, I pray that they'll just say, my arms are outstretched. My heart is anticipating. I'm waiting in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just want to tell a story before I... It just came into my spirit, so I'm going to tell it. I, um, I have a, it was my, my father's sister, sister, she's my auntie, and she did some crazy dumb things. And so I went to a funeral, and I saw her, and she sort of had wandered off, and because of what she'd done, she cut herself off from our family, and, you know, it became painful. But I saw her there, and I walked in, and I felt the Holy Spirit just say, go and sit by So I went up, and I, I sat down beside her, and, I said hi and gave her a hug. But through the service, I just prayed this little prayer. Remember praying it. God, because I'm sitting beside my auntie, may she be aware of you. I prayed it right through the service. Because I'm sitting beside my auntie, may she be aware of you. I just prayed it. And do you know, she, she stood up and she said, when you sat beside me, something happened. She said, a presence came that I wasn't aware of. And to this day, I remember that. Never underestimate the power of Christ in you. 
to speak, you bring the presence of an almighty God. Never underestimate its importance. Perhaps you're here today and you've never, ever opened your heart to the person of Jesus Christ. You don't know His love and forgiveness. You don't know the power of God's blood covering your sin. You don't know what it is to invite Jesus into your life. I would love to pray for you this morning. I would love to welcome you home to the one who can give you entrance into heaven. I would love to welcome those who have prayed a prayer and they know today they're not walking where Jesus would like them to walk. I would like to welcome you home. I'd love to pray for you. And if you're in one of those two categories, you've never opened your heart to Jesus, you might have gone to church, but that doesn't make you a Christian. The invitation of Jesus into your life means that God will allow you to be born again. And if you're one of those two categories, when I count to three, with every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand and look at me. So all you have to do, lift your hand and look at me because I want to know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. Just lift your hand. If you'd like me to include you in your prayer, in my prayer today, so I can pray that you would be born again, you would know the power of God's love, you'd know the power of God's forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit that this environment every service will become a service where people respond to you in Jesus name now I just invite every single person to lift their hands in this room everyone don't have to I invite you to Father I pray in Jesus name that people will take hold of the prophetic sound of this message God, they'll not be able to move away from it in the name of Jesus. And over the next 12 months, I declare that as as many people in this room that currently are in here will be welcomed in in the next 12 months in Jesus' name. As many people are here now, Father, we will see as many welcomed in over the next 12 months because we're creating an environment. Every single one of us are creating an environment for people to come home in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.